Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, everybody, welcome into another edition of the List Podcast brought to you by our good friends at the Man Salon and Bookmaker. Joining me this week is Michelle Smallman. We have done ESPN Radio together, and now we get to have some fun with a topic that I know is near and dear to her heart and one that is near and dear to my heart, 90s musical artists. And for her, we're getting in to the St. Louis Cardinals. Michelle, welcome into the List Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. And this list was not easy to put together. Either one, but especially this top 10 Cardinals list. This was very tough. So it's always interesting with the list that we do on this show because I I reach out to the person that's coming on and I let them pick the list that we're going to do, give you some options. But I was pretty sure we were going to do this one with regards to your background being a St. Louis girl. And I have a background being around the Cardinals too in just a different form. My grandfather, huge Cardinals fan, my mom, my grandma. So when we'd go to Hayward in Iowa, we'd always watch Cardinals games. And I started watching the Cardinals probably in 1990 on. And I always say in sports, a lot of things don't happen until I was born. So 1985 and beyond. Mine's more centric to Cardinals that were 85 and beyond. And that's the great you know, subjective nature of the list is you get to argue what your favorites are. And some of it's based on what you actually saw. Now, I do have some people on my list that played before 85. But again, a little bit uh, subjective. And then the 90s musical list, so subjective because we all like different music. Uh, so we'll get to that in just a second. But we're going to let you start since you're the guest here okay. on the list podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. That's where you can find us. We'll have you unveil your 10 through 6 top St. Louis Cardinals of all time. Fire away. So, Jeff, I'm starting a bit controversial with number 10. Okay. I don't. I know that there are some Cardinals fans that will – 100% agree with me. And there are some that will throw their hands up and say, amazing, but he shouldn't make the top 10 Cardinals of all time list. Coming in at number 10, it's David Freeze. He wow. gave me the most special postseason moments that I'll ever have in my entire life. And he gave the Cardinals a World Series championship in 2011. One of the most unbelievable postseason runs we've ever been on. He hit 348, seven RBI, three doubles, and of course, that epic game six home run. They kept the Cardinals alive and pushed them to game seven, ultimately winning the World Series. Uh, I just got noticed that David Freeze has declined the spot on the top 10 list, just like he did the Hall of Fame for the Cardinals. He has declined your spot at number 10. He may think he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer. I do. He's a humble king. We respect his choice. I think he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer, and he's certainly top 10 on my list. All right. What do you got at number nine? Okay. Let's move on to number nine. Another controversial name, but to me, in my lifetime, you cannot put a list together of the top 10 St. Louis Cardinals and not include Mark McGuire. What Mark McGuire did in 99 with the home run chase, he not only saved baseball, Jeff, he might have saved the Cardinals baseball as we know it because prior to his arrival, the Cardinals were in a bad spot. People were not going to games the way that they did. And Mark McGuire shows up and he lights St. Louis on fire. I will never forget at that time when the home run chase was going on, we were the talk of the world. St. Louis was, I mean, the, the media that came, it wasn't only national media that was at Bush stadium. It was international media. There was 10,000 plus tens of thousands of people that were come to batting practice just to see this guy hit home runs 
before the game. So I have to put Mark McGuire on the list. I think he should be in, in the Hall of Fame, breaking Ryder Maris's record. And he is uh, he's one of the best guys that's been in the organization. He was the hitting coach in 2011. He's the one that told Tony LaRusa, we need to stick with David Freeze. He's getting hot at the right time. So we might not have a World Series championship in 2011 without Mark McGuire. And we certainly wouldn't have had all those great memories and the home run chase without him as well. Yeah, I, he's on my list. I'll get to where he's on mine in a little bit. Who do you got at number at number eight? At number eight, we went old school. We went with Rogers Hornsby. He so there's really so many, old school, right? There's so many old school guys that didn't make the list, and it was very hard to leave them out. But when I was looking at Rogers Hornsby's stats, I mean, just outrageous. He won six batting titles. He hit over 400 three times. He led the league in homers twice. RBIs four times. He won two triple crowns and he led the National League in doubles four times and triples once. In 13 years as a Cardinal, here's his, his slash line 359, 427, 568. They won the World Series in 1926. He was inducted into Cooperstown in 1942. The numbers are there. Even though I obviously didn't see him play, he is one of those players that helped establish the standard of excellence that we know to be Cardinals baseball. Yeah, he might be on my list as well. But again, you have to go way back in the archives to find those statistics. At number seven, greatest Cardinals of all time. Michelle, who do you got? One of the most beloved Cardinals of all time, the redhead, Red Shane Deese. Again, went old school. His last I don't even know who that is, to be honest with you. You've never heard of him in my entire life. You've well, then you must not be that loyal of a Cardinals fan. Red Shandians? I'm a Braves fan. I just said I followed the Cardinals, all right? Like, I didn't know who this dude is, right? Uh, well, he's a Hall of Famer. His number was <laughs> number two is on the Sorry. wall in Bush Stadium. It's, he's My retired. Uh, he was a nine-time All-Star. He helped them win the 1946 World Series. He played uh, just a skosh under 1800 games for the team he he was a part of the organization for the longest time i mean red chain deans is one of the all-time most iconic cardinals so this is going to be one of those omissions on these lists that i have to go back and read about and then later i'm going to be like damn it i should have had that person on my list and i was schooled that's why we do these sometimes it's educational for yours truly as well i'm jeff turn that's michelle smallman i right, who do you got at number six at number six, he just went into the Hall of Fame wearing the birds on the bat. You have to go with Scott Rowland. I mean, this guy was, outside of Nolan Arenado and Brooks Robinson, likely the best defensive third baseman that we will ever see. He won the 1997 Rookie of the Year, eight gold gloves, seven All-Star nominations, and, of course, a World Series with the Cardinals. He was one of the cornerstones of those great Cardinals teams in the 2000s. Scott Rowland has to be on the list. All right, so 10 through 6, there's Michelle's list. Uh, I have I have um, a couple of people on here that, that I have as sort of honorable mentions. I, I wanted to put Keith Hernandez on there. I wanted to put Jimmy Edmonds on my top 10. They were on the outside looking in. But at number 10, talk about controversy because the numbers aren't going to stack up to probably what many people consider greatest Cardinals of all time. But if, in my lifetime, especially over the last decade or so, when I think of the St. Louis Cardinals, I think of who I have at number 10. I have Yadier Molina at number 10. Um, I, I think all the greatness that you got from Wainwright and the other pitchers over the last decade plus could be so attributed to what Yadi did behind the plate. You see the struggles this year without him, man. I mean, like this dude was a maestro uh, behind home plate. And I think more for the intangible sometimes than anything, when I put him at number 10, uh, I was always a fan of, of how he came up in clutch moments. They needed him to, to be back there 
you know, consistently. And that dude was a warrior uh, fighting through all kinds of injuries to be behind the plate. So that's more maybe of a sentimental pick. But I have Yadi. What do you think of me putting Yadi at number 10? He's in my top five. Oh, whoa, really? <laughs> okay, then I feel better about him. After I missed this redheaded dude, uh, I'm just happy that I have, that I have Yachty at number 10. I'm just happy I do. All right, at number nine, you just mentioned Scott Rowland. And a lot of people will think of him as, as what he did in Philly. But uh, I just think dude was not only a consummate pro, um, had all the statistics to bat it, back it up, Hall of Famer, wearing the birds uh, as he goes in to, to Cooperstown. And so I, I just – I thought Scott Rowland was always one – players in baseball when he was playing at his prime and that's why I had him at number nine and you mentioned I have Roger Hornsby at number number eight and again I have a couple of dudes that played before my time and I think there's only three of them on my list that really played before my time and Roger Hornsby is a name that if you say people know hey he was a great baseball player talk about the card that's worth so much money you talk about uh what he did for the Cardinals back in the day and I just – you mentioned those those numbers are insane. Um, and I know it's against different competitions, so I, I think sometimes when we put older people on these lists, you go, well, who are they playing against? Well, he dominated. You know, the 400 mark is so hard to get to. We all know that. We don't see that in the, in the modern game. Uh, and, and the fact that he was able to do it three times was just flat-out amazing. So Roger Hornsby at number eight. And then at number seven, I have Willie McGee. Um, I, I think just another name you think of when you think of the St. Louis Cardinals, do you have him in your top five? I didn't. And it broke my heart to leave Willie McGee off. I, it, it was between him and David freeze for number 10. Number 10. And I, just, I had to go with freezer. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, again, you look at the numbers, you look at the impact to that city, to that baseball team. And, and when you said it broke your heart, it just shows that so many Cardinal fans loved him, right? Like he oh. was a guy that was truly a fan favorite, a name that my my grandfather always brought up uh, amongst those. Now, he wasn't in that top three list for my grandfather. The guys that were are, are much higher up on my list, but uh, another name that put up the numbers, and that was a sentimental favorite there. And at number six, I got Lou Brock. Um, I think when you think of, of Cardinals baseball, another name that comes up, the, you know, the left fielder that uh, just put up – I mean, he had over 10,000 at-bats over 3,000 hits. The home run numbers weren't, you know, crazy. 149 home runs. Uh, career average just below 300, uh, but 900 RBIs. 938 stolen bases. And, you know, the on-base percentage of 343. Dude could get on the OPS 753. The stats just back up that he's a top six Cardinal, in my opinion, of all time. And uh, another name that that was, I think, if I if I were to ask my grandfather, there's there's – Two names that were above um, – uh, three names that were above probably Willie McGee and Lou Brock was was one of them. So uh, there's my number six. All right, Michelle Smallman joining us here on the List Podcast brought to you by Bookmaker and The Man Salon, themansalon.net. Find all the locations to get your hair cut from our friends over at The Man Salon. All right, who do you got five through one, Michelle? Okay, before I give five through one, I just want some justice for Red Shandings here, Jeff. He not only was an exceptional <laughs> I, I, I for the Cardinals. Dude, I, I, I just can't believe that, like, I don't know who this dude is. Like, of okay. all this. So there was a name, oh, and I'm going blank on it, too. Um, recently that somebody was giving me a hard time about, uh, oh, God, what is his name? Uh, 
It was it, he was in like this baseball song that I, I sometimes the older people I just don't know, and I get a lot of I get a lot of crap for it. So it's it's go ahead. You can give him more justice if you'd like. I, I just I, don't I know just, who he is. I just want to tell you. So not only was he an exceptional player for the Cardinals, he was the manager for a longest a long time. I just looked it up to confirm. He had the second longest managerial tenure in Cardinals history behind Tony Larusa, and he was the manager when they won the 1967 and 1968 NL pennants and the 67 World Series. He was the manager of the year twice. He's a baseball Hall of Famer. I mean, this this is a guy who is a cornerstone of the St. Louis Cardinals organization. And he's yeah. a local guy. So we all love Red. I'm, I'm terrible. I mean, I deserve <laughs> to go to, to Cardinals hell for that. I apologize. Okay. So oh, I, good. Okay. I, just, I, I, looked, I looked him up and I still have no, like, it didn't come to me and go, oh, that's, I still have no idea. I'm glad okay. he was great. I'm glad you guys love him. It's awesome that he's in the Hall of Fame. I got to read up on the dude. That's my bad. Okay. So he was number what? Six on your list. He's number five. What is it? What am I on? Number five now? Number five. Yep. Number five for me, it's Lou Brock. Uh, like you said, one of the all-time great Cardinals, Hall of Famer, Cardinals Hall of Famer. His numbers retired. We, you went through a lot of the stats, but I just think the stolen bases alone is one of the most remarkable stats right. in all of baseball. 888 stolen bases as a Cardinal. That's a franchise record. That thing will never be touched. It will never be stolen. He's one of the most electric and um, athletic players that the franchise has ever seen. Yeah, he just, I mean, the, the, the stolen base numbers are just absolutely amazing. Who do you have at number four? At number four, I have number four. It's Yadier Molina. And I know a lot of people might think it's crazy to have him this high on the list. As someone that watched him and covered him for a long time, he deserves to be this high. Yadier Molina was the culture of the St. Louis Cardinals during their success in the early 2000s up until when he retired last year. That guy set the standard. He set the tone. He not only was arguably the greatest catcher in the history of the game uh, right up there with Johnny Bench. He was a guy that came in clutch in any situation at any moment. How many postseason hits did Yadier Molina have? How many moments did he elevate the team and get them where they needed to be? He's a force multiplier. He had this intensity about him that he would bring to a game, whether it was a Tuesday in April or if it was game two of the World Series. That's Yadier Molina. He's one of the all-time great Cardinals that we've ever seen. He's a World Series champion twice, and he's number four on the list. I, I can't disagree with you on putting him in the top 10. I, I, I just think of him when I think of Cardinals baseball over the last 10 to 15 years as much as anyone. Um, and it was the stable force through sort of the changing of the rosters and, you know, the departure of Albert Pujols and these other guys that were able to come in and help win a World Series. I mean, it just Yadier Molina was a staple for sure. Who do you have at number three? Number three, it's Ozzie Smith, the Wizard. Um, again, one of the all-time great Cardinals. 11 of his 13 career Gold Glove awards in a uniform. 14 All-Star games. Of course, the iconic home run and the World Series Hall of Famer. That number one is again on the wall. Every Cardinals, even though I was so young at the time, one of the memories and that's emblazoned in my brain of what we think of when we think of Cardinal baseball is uh, Ozzie Smith doing the backflip. He's... He's one of the best guys you'll ever meet, still very involved in the organization. Cardinals baseball is not what it is without Ozzie Smith. Yeah, and and that was number two on my my grandfather's list of, of favorite Cardinals and um, probably number one uh, for my mom. Uh, and I just, like you mentioned, no one ran to the base 
to their position like Ozzie Smith with the backflip. And that that is when you say Ozzie Smith, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that. The second thing is the home run in the World Series. And then it's just him being a nice guy and, and someone that seems so personable within the sport, such a great ambassador for the game of baseball. And oh, yeah, all the numbers that come along with it um, and what he did for that organization, the all-star appearances, the gold gloves. Dude was a maestro there in the in the field at shortstop. So Ozzie Smith um, is definitely in my top five, and uh, I thought he was just spectacular. Who do you got next? Okay, number two, Bob Gibson. 17 years with the organization, 528 career outings. He won 251 games, a 2.91 ERA. He won the National League Cy Young and 68 and 70 MVP award. They changed the game for him, Jeff. They changed the game for this guy. He was absolutely unbelievable. One of the fiercest competitors that we've likely ever seen, not only in a Cardinals uniform, but in, in the game. It's got to be number two for Bob Gibson. So I, I things are starting to hit me now that um, there are two names left that I have in my top three, and you don't have one of them on your entire top ten. So um, you need to explain yourself, Michelle Smallman. Who do you have at number one? Okay, so I kind of cheated. Okay, I kind of cheated here, but let me explain. If this is a Cardinals list, Tony La Russa, one of the all-time iconic figures in Cardinals baseball, always would say that things were tied for first. No! I, oh, she did it Jeff, like this. Jeff, <laughs> I could not put one of these guys above the other one. When I look at them, they have the same nickname. One of them is called El Hombre, and one of them is called The Man. Like, these, oh, are, these are the... I just... I couldn't... I could, I would have one above the other, and then I was like, I just can't do it. I can't put this person above this person. So I know that's breaking the rules, and hey, I hope that you allow it. Rules. You've done radio with me before. You know I just make up rules as I go, so that's fine. You can make up rules on the list. That's totally fine. Name name their real names, not just their nicknames. Who do you have tied for first? Tied for first, it has to be Albert Pujols and Stan Musial. I mean, these are the two guys, Jeff. Like, one of them I never saw play in Stan Musial, but he is number, – number six is – he is Cardinal baseball, but so is number five. Like, I know that Albert left after he won the 2011 World Series, but all of that was absolved when he came back to the club last year, and I just – cannot think of anyone that I ever covered or that will I, I will ever watch play that will represent what Cardinals baseball is the way that Albert Pujols did. But again, Stan Musial is the franchise. Like he, he's the guy, right? The numbers speak for themselves. So I just thought everybody probably does the list the same way. Why don't oh, yeah. I put like a little Cardinal spin on it, a little Tony La Russa spin, and I will make Stan Musial and Albert Pujols tied for first. I mean, that, one of one of the great moments I've ever seen is the is the Brad Lidge home run that Albert Pujols hit. I think that thing still has not landed. You know? <laughs> so tied for first, those two. Okay, so I love the way that you did that. That's awesome. <laughs> at, at number five for me, it's Mark McGuire. And honestly, like of my favorite Cardinals, he would be number one. It's when I really fell back in love with baseball. I mean, I like I like baseball as a kid. I'm a big Braves fan, so we had a lot of success in the '90s. But what they did with the home run chase, it's its probably the only time, I think, in my 38 years on this earth that I have every single day in the summer during a baseball season checked to see what was going on, whether that was where the Cardinals and the Cubs were at in the standings, where Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were at were on the home run chase. Hey, is Ken Griffey Jr. making a run at this? And 
the fact that McGuire was in St. Louis and my grandfather and I got to watch that that summer. Every Sunday that we'd, we'd go down like every other Sunday, maybe every third Sunday to church in Hayward, and we would get home from church quick enough to see the noon games, and we would see Mark McGuire and see if he could hit a home run. And then late in the season, they were picking up every game, so we got to watch every single one. Um, I have an autographed bat from 1998. My aunt worked for Rawlings Sports for a long time in St. Louis, so she was the one that was providing the uniforms and the bats and all the equipment uh, and was in the clubhouse all the time for St. Louis. And so I have a bat that's autographed to Jeff from Mark McGuire, one of his bats from 1998 that is so special to me. And so I love Mark McGuire. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame, what he did for St. Louis and, and, and the home run. I don't care of any of the other stuff. I could care less. It'll never resonate as much as what resonated for me that summer. I have McGuire at number five. And number four, Ozzie Smith. We already talked about all the reasons why he was great. But the backflip is one of the most iconic things, I think, in baseball as he ran to shortstop. I don't have Albert Pujols at number two. I have him actually at number three. Uh, and, and you know, I, I put Bob Gibson at two. So it was really tough for me. I think you could flip a coin and you could put one or the other. Uh, Bob Gibson is probably top three most intimidating pitchers of all time, maybe the most intense pitcher of all time. Someone that cared about his craft, I think, as much as anyone in Major League Baseball history. Uh, and, and you know, when you talk to – another piece of memorabilia, I got a Bob Gibson autographed baseball sitting in this room with me right now. Uh, a guy that every time I talk to older players and I say, who was the toughest pitcher you ever played against? I think Bob Gibson's name comes up eight out of ten times just because he was so dominant and so good. Uh, but I do have Albert at number three for all the reasons that you said. Uh, another name that when I think of in my lifetime, Cardinals, he's right there at the top, and the numbers can't can't be denied. Just a spectacular uh, home run hitter. And then Stan the Man is number one for me. Um, here's another great memorabilia story. My, my grandfather wrote to him at one point and just said, hey, you're my favorite Cardinal. You make it fun watching Cardinals baseball. Stan personally wrote him back a postcard and uh, detailed it out to him, signed it. And I have that also framed in my house. Um, and it's just – that's the kind of guy he was yeah. as uh, you know, he understood like, and, you know, we all know that the money has changed a lot of the ways that fans interact with baseball players. Um, but I think Stan always went out there with 24 all-star appearances. I mean, dude was just, I mean, he was insane. so he could have been larger than life and not cared about the average fan, but he took time to write to somebody in a town of a couple of thousand in Hayward, Iowa and sign a postcard and send it to him. And, Never will forget that, along with all the statistics that come along with the Hall of Famer's career. And when you, when you have the name Stan the Man, you know you were damn good at what you did. So I have Stan Musial at number one. Do you have any grief with my five through one? Not at all, because you didn't cheat like I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so run it down for us. I'll go 10 through one quick. Yadier Molina at 10. Scott Rowland at 9. Roger Hornsby at 8. Willie McGee at 7. Lou Brock at 6. Mark McGuire at 5. Ozzie Smith at 4. Albert Pujols at three, Bob Gibson at two, and the greatest Cardinal of all time in my book, Stan the Man Musial at number one. I had David Freeze at number 10, Mark McGuire at number nine, Rogers Hornsby at eight, Red Shandies, the redhead at number seven, <laughs> the newly minted Hall of Famer, Scott Rowland at number six, Lou Brock at number five. Of course, Yadier Molina has to be number four, the great Ozzie Smith 
at number three, Bob Gibson at number two, and then tied for first, as Tony LaRusso always used to say, Albert Pujols and Stan Musial. And Jeff, I can't not get this stat in about Stan. I, I was remiss in not saying it before. My favorite baseball stat of all time. We know that Stan Musial finished his career with a 331 batting average. He had three. 3,630 hits, 1,815 hits at home, 1,815 hits on the road. You wow. cannot be more consistent and your greatness than that. That's amazing. Truly is. Uh, and, and certainly deserving to be number one on both our lists. This is the List Podcast brought to you by Bookmaker for all your gaming needs. Check them out for the latest lines, the live lines, quick deposits, and quick withdrawals. Check them out, bookmaker.net. Um, let's get to the top five list now. So we go sports and then we do a little entertainment and fun on the backside of this thing. And, uh, we're going to do top five artists of the nineties in music. And again, very subjective. It can be your favorites. It can be the, the number one hits, however you want to do it for me. I mixed in a little bit of the billboard charts, but with what I would listen to, like honorable mention, shout out to Nirvana and Pearl jam and boys to men. I just didn't listen to them enough to put them in my top five. So the floor is yours, Michelle. Give me five through three, and then we'll go two, one. Who do you have at five, four, and three? Okay, at number five, I have Alanis Morissette. I What? I, I, can't, I mean, this is why, oh my God, you can pick from anyone in the 90s, and you got Alanis Morissette. I, that one blew my mind. Sorry, it took me off. along oh with the redhead. I, at least I know who she is. Okay, like this one, this one, this one took me for a loop. Go ahead. There are few albums that represent the '90s the way Jagged Little Pill does. Released in 1995, <laughs> that album captured uh, the the angst of the '90s. She changed the sound. She changed in a lot of ways the way women were allowed to present themselves in the '90s. She was from Canada and was a pop star and she wrote this album on her own fought through and it ends that album still slaps today you could play every single one of those songs right now on the radio and they would be a number one hit jagged little pill is one of the best albums of all time and it's certainly representative of the 90s so i would put alanis morissette number five who do you got at number four number four uh when i think of the 90s i think of east coast west coast rap beef Okay. Yes. Yes. And I have a lot of that in my top five, but go ahead. <laughs> and I wanted to put Biggie on the list because I am an East Coast girl. I am, okay. I am an East Coast uh, rap fan. But when I think about those two and I think about the 90s and the rap game as a whole, I think of Tupac. So I had to put Tupac at number four. Um, not only was he one of the greatest rappers of all time. I think from a cultural standpoint, what he did, not only, you know, acting and, and his political activism, I just think he was more omnipresent in the nineties. So Tupac number four on the list. Who do you got at number three? Number three, when I think of the nineties, I think of boy bands, but I think of pop music and more than boy bands, I think of the girl group of all time. And it's the Spice Girls. The Spice Honorable mention for me. I think uh, it was so hard for me not to put them in the top five. I agree with you though. They changed everything. Like I grew up as a child of the nineties, a young child. It was like early on in my childhood, but I, I can't remember a time when I wasn't with my cousins making up dances to the Spice Girls. They were a worldwide phenomenon. Um, you could just say the word posh or the word ginger, and you think of these women. So they come in at number three for me. And so I that genre, and, and you know, like 
it all started in probably like 1997, 98, 99 is when you started to have this big influx of uh, the TRL world and the culture that came from MTV. And so you had NSYNC and you had 98 Degrees and uh, Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys. Uh, that's where I landed at number five. Honorable mention, I can't believe I had to leave him out, but it's only five. Snoop Dogg, honorable mention for me. Yeah. He, he was so close to the top five for me. But I have the Backstreet Boys at number five. I think they started everything else for One Direction. Uh, Backstreet Boys uh, had more number one hits than NSYNC. They were always at the top uh, number one of TRL. I'd come home from middle school in 97, 98, and all of a sudden want to watch is TRL. And Backstreet Boys were always trying to get knocked off. They, I Again, I go back to TRL so much because that's where so much of my music came from. But like I remember they'd show up and th- there would just be a sea of humanity outside the MTV studios in Manhattan. And, and the Backstreet Boys started that phenomenon and they opened up the door for so many other people to have those roles. What do you think about the Backstreet Boys at number five? I think it's criminal. NSYNC is by far the superior boy band and it's not even close. But who had more number one hits? I, that that I don't I know. Think, I think the answer is the Backstreet Boys. So that's NSYNC, why they're at number five. No, NSYNC was way better than the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I don't maybe. I don't know, man. I think I listen to probably both of them as much as anything, and I'm losing street cred as I speak because I was into the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and I still can sing "Bye Bye Bye" as much as anybody. Uh, and I got the hand motion too to go with it. Uh, but yes, but I put them at number five. At number four, I have Madonna, and I think culturally and from um, just the the number one hits and everything that came along with her career. You speak about changing the game for women and sort of how they could express themselves, sort of unapologetic. Um, that's what Madonna did for so many people. And the music was awesome along with it. So I have Madonna at number four. Uh, I do have um, the East Coast bias here with the, uh, the East Coast, West Coast rap battle of the 90s and unfortunately we lost this person way too soon but i have notorious big at number three another one where like you play any of those albums today and they still slap like you said um i can i as a dude from sioux falls south dakota i can rap like almost every song that you put up with biggie just because i listened to it so much as a kid throughout the 90s uh into the 2000s into my adulthood like i'm one of these people michelle and you may laugh at this but i still in my yukon I still have the big CD thing of all my CDs <laughs> and I pop in CDs all the time. Right. And like a couple cars ago, a couple vehicles ago that I had, I don't know if it was the Chrysler 300 or the Ford Explorer, but one of them didn't have a CD player. And I was so insulted that they were no longer putting CD players in cars. And when I got my Yukon, I was so jacked up that a 2020 Yukon had a CD player in it. And so I brought back out the big case of all the CDs and I put them in all the time. And my wife is just all about Taylor Swift. So she just flips on her phone and listens to that in our car. But like, I am still the guy that pops in the old school CDs and listens to them uh, as I drive around. So yes, I still have plenty of notorious BIG CDs that get popped in to my CD player in my car. Yes, I, I still listen that. to CDs. Yes, yes. I respect uh, that. What do you have at number two and one? Okay, so uh, honorable mention for you, number two for me, it's Nirvana. I You can't talk about the 90s without talking about grunge, without talking about that style of music. And Nirvana was the leader in the clubhouse. How many people in the 90s were wearing flannel because of Kurt Cobain? And uh, another person that we lost too soon, but they were the the 
biggest force as far as grunge is concerned in the 90s. And um, I just think it's one of the the lead genres of that time. So I just I had to put Nirvana number two. And those songs still withstand the test of time as well. I'm very intrigued. Who do you have at number one? So I when I think of the 90s, I think of female powerhouse. I think of the divas era, right? And you had Madonna, who certainly got consideration from me. I thought about doing Whitney Houston, but a lot of her greater stuff was in the 80s. 80s, yep. So I went with Mariah Carey, number one. When I think of the 90s, I went back and I looked at the discography. And from 1993 to 1996, these three albums, Chef, Music Box, Merry Christmas, and Daydream. One Music Box is one of the best-selling albums of all time, over 28 million copies to date. Um, all I want for Christmas is you. That song is like the the number one song of all time. I mean, she actually changed the way we view Christmas music and pop music. And Daydream, of course, one of the one of the great um, albums of all time. Fantasy, One Sweet Day. There's just so many songs that came from the '90s that were hits that had Mariah Carey behind them. So when I think of the '90s, it's got to be her. I pick up right where you left off because I have Mariah Carey at number two, 21 top uh, billboard hits, uh, a bunch of number ones and always be my baby. I is one of my, I, I swear to God, I embarrass myself every time it comes on. Cause I just sing it. Like I am Mariah Carey. Every time I hear it, I just absolutely belt it out. And I may be on planet earth. One of the worst singers you can find. So uh, it, it, I don't usually belt out songs, but Mariah Carey. And like you said, there's just so many songs that came on during that time. And then she started collaborating with hip hop people and having all these different sort of flavors to her music. Um, I, I thought Mariah Carey was spectacular. I have her at number two and someone you had on your list that I have at number one for the culture influences. Um, and, and just, uh, I think was just so ahead of his game. If you listen to his music now, it sounds like you're listening to something that just came out, and that is Tupac. Um, you know, the fact that he was able to put out so much music while he was alive that was released after his death, and it still was relevant, and it still had very similar tunes to what you were listening to in that generation, like 2005. If you put out an album of Tupac, it sounded like it should fit 2005, 2010, whatever. He was so far ahead of the game. And whether that was from the lyrics or was was the music itself um, and and just the ability to be multifaceted with a political activist and an actor. And now you see like every guy that's an that's a hip hop star um, getting into those avenues, too, in one form or another. You didn't see that in the early 90s, late 80s. Uh, Tupac paved those ways for all those people. So I have Tupac at number one, um, as I mentioned, just absolutely spectacular. So. Uh, we've nailed out the list, uh, Michelle. You got Mariah at one. I got Tupac, but a lot of similarities there. And uh, the, I mean, the Alanis Morissette one, though. I mean, I still, I, I don't know how she made number five, but hey, uh, good for Alanis Morissette. Hopefully, she accepts the award better than David Freeze does at number ten on the St. Louis Cardinals list. Uh, Michelle Smallman, you can check her out on ESPN Radio. Hopefully, alongside me sooner rather than later. Uh, I appreciate it, Michelle. Thank you so much for being a part of the list today. Hopefully, this was fun for you too. It was a blast, Chef. Thanks so much for having me. And ju justice for Red, justice for Alanis, okay? <laughs> I can't wait to hear what your family and friends back in St. Louis think of your top 10 list. Uh, check us out, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, those are the places you can like, subscribe. Again, brought to you by Bookmaker and The Man Salon. Until next week when we have another list, be well, y'all. Thanks a lot for hanging out today. We look forward to seeing you next time.